0: When you're getting back into your busy fall routine but still want to make every breakfast count, try Blue Apron's new ready-to-cook meals that offer your favorite fresh quality ingredients ready in minutes. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and health-conscious offerings. Get a $100 gift card, plus enjoy $130 off across your first six orders when you place an order by September 23rd. Visit blueapron.com unique2022.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Kat Wright and welcome to Grab a Cuppa episode with uh, a couple of friends of mine, Becca and Kylo. In this episode we talk about social anxiety, the rock and metal community and... Um, Also, they want to start their own podcast talking about sensitive issues as well, as we do here on Grab A Cupper as well. But they want to put their own twist on it. We talk about that as well. And also, they uh, would like... You guys, if you want to get involved, uh, you can message me at higher at grabacupper.co.uk if you'd like to get involved. But also what we talk about, it can be a little bit sensitive issues if there's anything uh, that you've been triggered by i.e. social anxiety we touch upon that quite heavily uh please do have a look at our website wwwgrabacuppacouk forward slash resources if you seek advice this is grab a cuppa with mates i'd like us to talk about you guys first because everyone knows about me yeah but no one knows about you so who okay. wants to go first <laughs> <laughs> um well, i'm kyla i i've
2: been wanting to do podcast well i've guessed on podcast before wanting to do my own podcast about mental health issues and social issues before and i'm terrible at monologuing as you're about to find out sitting and talking to myself and about myself at the minute but uh, i was looking for someone else to do it obviously and then me and becca started talking so yes i'm currently training to work as a support worker um so learning about all this lot, Avid. I read research papers for fun into psychology and stuff. So I do a lot of reading up on this kind of thing and it everything fascinates me. So yeah, that basically we want to, what we wanted to do actually when we talked about it was start talking about more uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. So talk more about mental health. I, I won't shy away from things if I think it could be touchy or if people might not want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. you know um, they'll talk about it and I um, have quite a broad spectrum of people that I do talk to that I've already been speaking to and getting their feedback and input and questions of things that they really want to hear talked about and the response has already been huge so you know a lot of my friends a lot of people I say friends acquaintances as well Mm -hmm. people that I know from groups on Facebook tend to say that I'm quite easy to talk to so they'll tend to open up and tell me things and ask me questions and tell me the things they want asking really easily so I think as a dynamic for getting ideas of what people actually want to hear that's a brilliant start I'm just actually asking people
1: (laughs) oh yeah so do you think a lot of people come to you for advice then
2: god knows why (laughs) Um, to be fair
1: (laughs) You're really wild. I'm with
2: other wise. people. Do you know what? I, I'm the epitome of, you know, never take my own advice. I can sort everyone else's life out. When it comes to mine, I'll sit on the sofa watching shit documentaries instead.
1: <laughs> me <laughs> yeah. too, me
3: too.
1: <laughs> I'm the same. <laughs> How do you re- relate to this, Becca? Uh, well, I'm I'm
3: Becca. Yeah. Uh, I am a site manager for a construction company, so I am very much a woman in a man's world. And I I have had plenty of mental health issues within my own life, and I have a lot of very kind of unique experiences with it when it mm-hmm. comes to my job, um, because I, I come from a world where to show kind of any vulnerability is really, I don't wanna say dangerous, but it's like, I I can't be vulnerable at all at work. I have to be this really strong person because I am very much, as I said, a woman in a man's world. So any kind of slight vulnerability is seen as a weakness in, in my daily life. So I have to be strong all the time, which in itself is really difficult. And negatively affects my mental health because I don't yeah. feel like I can really talk about a lot of things in mm-hmm. my everyday life because of it.
1: Yeah,
0: So I, I
3: really wanted to do this yeah. podcast because this is a side of me that doesn't really get much kind of...
0: Much of an airing. I, I,
3: I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't really get a chance to, to talk about the things that, that make my life more difficult. And Mm -hmm. because people find it uncomfortable yeah. and I really struggle to kind of open up and Mm -hmm. I really wanted kind of an outlet for it. And I wanted to kind of see if there are other women out there that are kind of in a similar position to me that feel like they can't really show any kind of perceived weakness.
0: For whatever, yeah, whatever reason.
1: Yeah.
3: So I really wanted to kind of do this because I think that there's probably a lot of women that are in... A similar kind of situation to me mm-hmm. and I just want them to know that you, you can't like being vulnerable is not being is not weak mm-hmm. it, it's not it's not a weakness it, it's if anything it's a strength and we should be able to talk about the things that make our lives a little bit more difficult and that are uncomfortable and you know I, th- I think it's really important because otherwise you can have a it can have a really detrimental effect on on your mental health if you don't talk mm-hmm. about things so mm-hmm. And and it's not the kind of done thing at the minute. Like everybody, everybody says that mental health is really important, and you know there's a big like buzzword at the minute. But I don't think that that's true a lot of the time. I think people just say it. It's like mm-hmm. at work, we were always getting stuff about like you know like, your mental health matters, and and we care about you. And I just think it's a lot of box ticking. I think um, yeah, it feels genuine. Like a lot of lip service, doesn't right. it? Yeah, yeah, it's not genuine and. I I just feel yeah. like I want to be kind of that outlet for for other people to, mm-hmm. to, be comfortable, to talk about the things that wouldn't necessarily talk about to anybody else. So yeah, that's kind of like my my angle on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, yeah. Uh, I'm also a, a part time presenter on Primordial Radio. Oh, as well. Well, thank you, time. Part time. Keep saying to Russ, I'm like, I just need to get rid of him in our show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you could do it on your own. Don't need him, it's fine. <laughs> you can go back to play what well, Call of Duty. Case in
3: point, the last two weeks, well, the last two weeks, because we obviously do a show on a Saturday morning on Prime Audio Radio called Bubbles Brunch with Bex, and uh, we open a bottle of bubbles and talk shit. And the last two weeks, first week I, I didn't see Kyla because she's going to be my bridesmaid, so I, I went to visit her. And then last week I was getting my hair done, and the listener numbers went down. And I wasn't there. (laughs) So I'm like, well, obviously everybody wants to talk about... Well, everybody wants to listen to me. No, I'm joking. (laughs) I think think people are inherently nosy as well. And it's a bit of a a kind of an insight into our life. Mm. And we we, we have domestics on air. Like, we talk about things that people wouldn't necessarily talk about, like about our relationship and stuff. And I think that people relate to that. And I think that's why it's been as successful as it has been and why it continues to be. Because it's it's just very honest. It's very real, and it's yeah. not a show.
1: Do you think this doing is that is, this is sort of well, this is how we talk to each other? Yeah, doing that. Do you think that it is sort of like got you a bit more interested in doing this as well? Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm not really somebody that's, that, that that is comfortable
3: putting myself out there which which feeds into the whole mm-hmm. social anxiety thing i'm i'm very socially anxious like i'm not the type of person that is really out there and bubbly and 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 what have you i'm, I'm very
0: introverted mm.
3: and it's been a, a like, over the last three years it's been a, a real challenge for me i found it really difficult because like when, when they have like events and stuff people come up to me and talk to me like they know me and i'm like i have no idea who you are and you're touching me and i don't like it <laughs> I get that I've had to kind of get used to mm-hmm. it's really I get that. It's, it's been a it's been a massive learning curve because I am I, I'm, I'm quite inherently shy and yeah I'm just like it's like me and Kyla say that in, in my relationship I am Rob and Kyla is Russ, because <laughs> Kyla and Russ are the more kind of outgoing, introvert, like extroverted kind of people. And me and Rob are the the kind of quieter, more reserved, like people that are a bit freaked out by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 been, it's been an interesting learning curve. Very, very weird.
1: I bet. <laughs> I was just thinking about um, the topic of social anxiety, especially now. Uh, we are at a stage where um, now we are allowed to leave our houses and it's a little bit more... Uh, yes, it's still restricted to having to wear masks. Um, f- personally, mm. I uh, I have um, clinical anxiety and depression and all that stuff. And I'm finding it very difficult to wear a mask. Uh, even though, as I was told, that I am... a um, well exempt but I still feel that I have to whenever I can because I get dirty looks and
3: people will see you and judge you
1: absolutely and then and then I was just like feeling so anxious like I went to Sainsbury's today social anxiety I suffer from anxiety and depression is something that I've suffered all my life and I felt like when it came to lockdown as well um at at the beginning I actually felt relieved okay because I thought well people can't come close to me you know what I mean, but then at the same time I'm like, oh, what if people come close to me? So I didn't know what to do. So actually, Scott, my husband, he took over the shopping duties, yeah, because I was just too anxious, uh, and being, um, you know, a vulnerable person as well. So, you know, I have to be shielding because I have a weak immune system. So I feel, okay, I felt in the middle, okay. Was yes, yeah, a good thing people can't come close. But then, what if people come close to me? What can I do, right? And now it'll make you more anxious. Yes, it's just you can't win sometimes. Um, but now, three four months down the line, we when it comes to social anxiety, uh, wearing a mask, even though it's mandatory in shops, I. I put my mask on and I feel like I'm going to faint. Mm. I feel my palms start sweating, my heart goes really fast and I can't breathe. But then I feel if I don't wear a mask, people will judge me. And because you see a lot of stuff as well on social media about this, okay? Um... i use social media as a platform to promote myself and promote my work that's it but you kind of get sucked in to that when you're actually just flicking through you know what i mean you're just flicking flicking through all these social media uh, social media platforms but obviously it's something that mm-hmm. i feel like it could be discussed just further down the line yeah it's um, absolute sucker
2: for a social media rabbit hole even though i swear i'm not going to do it <laughs> you, get, you get you find something and then you like 500 comments in and it's one in the morning. Yes. To do this. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when it comes to social anxiety, I've always had it, right? But I feel like now is heightened. You know, it's just mm-hmm. I'm feeling stuff that I've never felt before. Yes, I had social anxiety, but now I'm actually feeling the physical side of it, like a headache. You know, I get the headaches and I feel, I get cramps because um, my body's just, you know, shaking with anxiety. Tense all the time. Tense, exactly. So I really feel that, yes, you know, COVID-19 and social anxiety, I think it needs to be uh, spoken about into uh, a big you know a big scale you know like how was dealing with that like uh let's see pre-lockdown and then after lockdown okay uh well i've always been like you socially
3: anxious in mm-hmm. most situations i don't like people getting too close i don't like people to like that i don't know touching me or being within my
1: personal,
3: personal space personal space so like, like you i, I lockdown was first it was kind of a relief because it was like no people have to stay away from me but in my job like one of our main things is going into people's houses and and changing their gas supplies so we still had to do that Mm. and it just put so many more layers onto it because it was like i have to do this but now i'm so much more anxious about it but there's nothing i can do about it pre-lockdown i was always a little bit nervous about it but since covid has hit and since um like social distancing has become like such a huge thing especially like in the media and on social media and everything it's like it just kind of amplifies the anxieties i already had Mm -hmm. and i just feel responsible for my teams having to kind of put themselves at risk by being close to other people and it's just like it's just really difficult to kind of be like to stay away from people when i know that it's it, it's just it's just put so many more layers onto it and then you get people all over like for, for people like you that are, that are literally exempt from wearing a mask but people walking down the street or going into a shop they see you not wearing a mask and they immediately judge you like oh you're not wearing a mask you must you you don't clearly don't give a shit about other people and it's like no you don't yeah. know my personal story I feel like people like you need to go around with a bloody like sign around your neck, saying, "I don't wear a mask because I am exempt, so please don't judge me, but you can't do that <laughs> so I, I I think that it it's it's so much harder for people like you because you you have a real reason to to be doing this but people people just don't seem to care as much and they're not interested in why you're not wearing a mask they're just interested in the fact that you're not wearing one
1: it's and... i call it the rabble rabble crowd you know south park when they mm. all get into a crowd and go rabble 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 you know when they're all like, complaining <laughs> yeah. about the same thing but they don't really know what is going on so it's the rabble rabble crowd they don't they don't really mm. understand it's the complainers they just want to oh, you're not wearing a mask. Well, I'm not wearing one because I, c- I can't. If I do, I will pass out. It's an anxiety thing, but I will try my best to respect other people's wishes. I will keep my distance because that's what I need to do. I got told off on the train and it says, listen, okay, this train around here, like this part of the train's empty. It's just me, right? Even if I wasn't exempt, I wouldn't see the point of wearing one but I said I can't I'll put it on and off you know do it when when I can but I had to explain imagine if I had something very very uh, embarrassing that I was in, embarrassed to tell people you know and you kind of feel a little bit humiliated you know in a way like oh god I have to say this and that and the other it's just like obviously I'm just going a little bit off subject, but as a disabled person, when uh, I have an um, invisible illness and I have to use the disabled toilet and then people are like, well, you know, you don't look disabled. Why do you have oh. to use the disabled toilet? I shouldn't justify my disability to anyone. No. O- okay. But I feel like it kind of, you know, um, <laughs> it kind of relates to one thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's it's mental. I could go on about this for, you know, till the cows come home, as they say, but... And,
3: and, but the the advice that we kind of try to live by is so confused as well, mm-hmm. which really doesn't help situations. Like, there are no clear-cut guidelines that we have to kind of stick to. So people kind of make up their own rules and their own minds, and you, you can't possibly know what each person's opinion is of the whole situation. But it, it feels like you have to kind of conform to everybody's individual ideas of what social distancing is and what the right thing to do is. Mm-hmm. And at the minute, it's, it's really difficult because, like, for me... When I was at, like, I, I went wedding dress shopping today and mm-hmm. we were in a shop, so we had to wear masks. But then after two or three dress try ons, like, we forgot to put our masks on and we were like, oh shit, like, I'm sorry, I, I've not got my mask on. But, but it's okay with the people I was with, but if it was, if they were like different,
0: it's just really. When you're getting back into your busy fall routine, but still want to make every breakfast count, try Blue Apron's new ready to cook meals that offer your favorite fresh quality ingredients ready in minutes. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and health-conscious offerings. Get a $100 gift card, plus enjoy $130 off across your first six orders when you place an order by September 23rd. Visit blueapron.com unique2022. The is-it-morning-yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
3: It's confusing because there's, there's so much contradictory information out there. And it's so hard to find no if you don't know the person that you're with really well, like how they are feeling about it and you kind of, then it makes me more anxious. Cause I'm like, are you okay with this? Is this all right? Or like, am I being really rude and really awful? And it, it, there's just so like I said, there's so many more layers on top of everything. And it's just so difficult to kind of know what the right thing to do is all the time.
1: Yeah. I 100 I agree. Yeah, absolutely. What about yeah. yourself, Kyla? How was that like for you? To be fair, I was, before
2: lockdown, I am the complete polar opposite of you two. (laughs) I am literally the most sociable person in the universe. I will talk to anyone, I will hug anyone, I'm just like, everybody come here. And that was one of the big things for lockdown for me, that my house is like the hub of our little group, because logistically, originally, because I'm literally in the Midlands, so... And everyone I know is between Scotland and the South Coast. So it was just easier. Everyone can kind of meet up in the middle here. <laughs> and that's how it started. The motions, the bar work, you know, um, worked in hospitality, obviously with my modeling, all that, everything that I did was sociable. Like all of my life was sociable. And um, it was really hard actually, cause um, I'd had a nervous breakdown the end of last summer and I'd not really seen anyone for a long time but I, would, I was just really poorly and then I literally got like a few weeks of going out and doing stuff and then lockdown happened and because both me and my son are supposed to shield so um, we were locked in and it was really hard for me at first like my psychiatrist actually said to me that for myself I should create a social bubble, Find obviously try and find other people that were fully shielding and try and make it safely but she's like, for your mental health, you, you need people. You can't lock yourself away. It will drive you mad. And it did. I still did. I still locked me and my son away. Again, because of pressure, I felt really judged. when I, Even when I started, because I was told way back at the beginning, i my a psychiatrist, you know, you do need people. You should do this for yourself. Because you're, you're going to have another breakdown if you don't. But I didn't. And then when I sort of hit rock bottom and realised well this is why she does what she does she was right and started seeing a couple of people you know just one at a time sort of having people around safely once they're isolated and i did get shit for it off people i wasn't really expecting to get shit for it
0: Mm.
2: people that knew my mental health troubles and i find it really difficult still like not being able to go and do the stuff i used to do my little bits of time see my friends you know, I, I've i always, always spent loads of time with everyone else and I live near so many people that it's just easy, you know, like, oh, you're about, I'm just around the corner. You know, you can just pop in and out and it's fine. And I can't do that now. You've got to stand in the garden or, you know, I can't take my son out to see his friends. And it's I found it really hard. And what I didn't expect from me was I remember one of the first times I went out to a supermarket, because I did the same as you, Kat. I, Rob took over the shopping and stuff. And I remember standing in middles and pretty much having a panic attack, and like having to pull myself back from a panic attack. And it was such a surprise to me because I was—I've never been like that. I'm—I'm I'm more comfortable out and about than I am in the house. If I get anxious, because I do have like complex depression and anxiety disorder, um, but my anxiety is a insular anxiety. I overthink. And I'm actually better being out with other people because I don't get given the headspace to overthink and wind myself up. It's like I need to be distracted. And that first time I went out in months and I was just stood in the shop and I could feel my heart going and I could feel my skin crawling and I could feel, you know, like when your throat starts to close and you can feel that dizziness and you start to shake. And I was like, do not have a panic attack in
1: it it feels it feels almost like a heart attack and uh i honestly i've had that before and i thought i was having a heart attack and i thought oh my god like i need to be conscious enough to ring an ambulance if if it needs to be because i don't know am i having a heart attack or am i having a panic attack um yeah stuff starts getting to me uh, to affect me physically and especially having fibromyalgia it's I start having a really bad flare-up as well. And uh, it's just one thing after another. Think about dominoes, you know what I mean? You knock one thing and then uh, another thing and another thing. Um, so, yeah, I can, you know, in a way, like, I was starting to get a little bit better with, like, uh, you know, going to gigs and uh, actually socialising with people because uh, about... Uh, I think it was either a year or two ago, I was just at home. I didn't go anywhere for 18 months. Uh, I had agoraphobia and I just did not go anywhere. I didn't even go pick up my daughter from school. I just couldn't go uh, for 18 months straight. I didn't go anywhere whatsoever. And, um, and that, I thought, at the time, I thought that's what was best for me because I, I had this idea in my head that I was the worst company. That everyone hated me, and that, um, I don't know. I, w- I had this idea in my head that I was just the, the most awful person in the world, but it,
3: you're not by the way.
1: <laughs> I know right. this, you know, I know this now. Uh, we it's we just love so- you. <laughs> I was
3: nodding because
1: I was like,
2: oh my god, because, <laughs> um, I was exactly because when I had my breakdown, it was only about. It wasn't that long. It was about three mm. or four months that I stayed in. I did all of the outside stuff and I would locked in. And I was the same as you. I was like, well, I've not done anything. I'm really boring. I'm going to be a shit person. I'm not going to be a nice person to be around now. So why is anyone going to want to socialise with me anyway? I've just been sat in my fucking house for months. And yeah. And you sort of get into sort of that Like, people just aren't going to be interested. You're s- not interested.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I started to um, doubt my abilities of, like about like, oh, am I being a good friend? Am I being a good mother? Am I I being a good wife? You know, Um, and it was just like, it was just madness, you know? I was just in a place where it was just me and my thoughts. And that's a very, very dangerous um, place to be in a way, in my mind, Uh, but also I'm saying, uh, talking about this because I wanna to touch on the social anxiety side of things and being on lockdown. Because uh, a lot of people that thought that they didn't have any mental health issues before lockdown and then they suddenly their routine changed completely. They had to be at home. Then they suddenly found that yes, I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling anxious, but I never realized this before um a lot of people out there feel like that where you know you've got your job you've got your routine you go to work come home whatever okay all of a sudden you get a phone change. call exactly you get that phone call no you can't come to work because of coronavirus and then you think oh great you know i'm just going to i'm going to stay home and you know the house needs decorating or whatever but then a lot of people have said that that changed them and they found themselves depressed and anxious which i thought it people was people have had to deal with things yeah, that
3: they didn't even know about 100 and they've had to kind of they've had to kind of make peace with a person that they didn't realize they were mm-hmm. and, and i showed this morning that the divorce rate has gone mm-hmm. up by the divorce inquiries have gone up like 40 percent because yeah people have been forced to kind of get to know the person that they live with and after Mm -hmm. like if you've been together with someone for for years and years and years but you've got your usual daily routine where you go out to work and you come home and you have dinner and then you go to bed and people don't spend that much time together and people don't spend too much time in their own head because they're busy going out and, and doing what they usually do but since lockdown they've kind of been forced to be at home with one person two people and you can't hide Mm -hmm. and people change and especially in this crazy unique situation that changes people as well because people are a lot more stressed and when you're stressed out like a lot of the time the it it brings out the worst side of you and and then people start to think oh god i'm a terrible person and it's it's so much pressure and so yeah. many people have, have realized that i'm not who i thought i was and i don't do things the way i thought i did and i don't deal with that's one of the things well actually a lot of
2: people um, are finding because of the stress of the situation and everybody's stressed at the same time you know blah 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 and they're all right even though you're stressed so mm. that's not too bad but everybody stressed at once Mm. all dealing with it together and not much of a breather and not a lot you can do to calm down or distract yourself nowhere to go nowhere to get out it is you feel a bit trapped you do and it's like uh, my son the other day we were sat talking because quarantine is not a new thing for him he has a heart condition so um so we've had to quarantine you know he had infections and there's been other viruses go around that means we've had to quarantine for weeks at times used to it and then was like oh um when have you two ever had to quarantine like this before in your lives and we were like, well, what do you mean like mate like everyone he went yeah have you two ever had to do it it's like well no one has to this has never happened before not know, like this well not in anyone's lifetime yeah. the last one we-
3: 1918
2: was a was yeah, one. obviously that was a massively different world to the world we live in now i was like yeah so yeah even in nanny's lifetime even you know there's no nobody has lane he was like oh i didn't know if it had and i was like no we've had other pandemics but not like this and he was just so surprised obviously because he's used to it now this we've been locked in the house together for probably half his life because of varying things surgeries and stuff so he just I just don't think you thought anything of it like oh it's just the thing people have to quarantine and well that was something he-
3: that i was i was quite interested to ask you too, because you see as mums like how has quarantine affected your relationship with your children or has it, has it been like how how's it felt to be a mom in quarantine because obviously i i don't have any experience of this and i find it really interesting like Do you feel like you've had to change the way you are with your children or how how have they kind of felt and have they found it is it really difficult because they can't go out and see their friends and do the the normal things that they do like how has that affected you as a mum
2: I don't know I guess it adds a bit to mum guilt because Lane does miss because we used to go on dates once a month so we'd go for a meal or go to the cinema obviously because I've only got one and he's good, I can take him anywhere. So, um, you know, we would go to the castle or the cathedral and then I'd take him for lunch or for tea and he'd pull out my chair and I'd give him the money and he'd pay and, you know, we'd probably like go for a little day together. He's saying he really misses it, he misses his friends. But to be honest, I've really the time that we've
3: had. How have your kids cope with lockdown, Kat?
1: The thing is, like with with Alice, Alice is uh, she's eight, and she is also on the autistic spectrum, uh, but is more towards the uh, emotional side uh, yeah. of things and also the behavior side. She's very bright, uh, she's really intelligent, but she struggles with coping with uh, social. Uh, social situations basically okay. i'll give you an example she can't cope with games that involves winning or losing so uh, it's very difficult for her to to, to deal with stuff like that uh, and then my my son Logan, he is six years old but he is non-verbal and right. he basically has the mental capacity of a one-year-old and he he doesn't really understand much he cannot communicate but he is getting better you know he's getting better but when it comes to lockdown basically he's just like obviously stopped going to school so that was a disruption to his um to his routine with logan it was very difficult for him to deal, to deal with he was poorly uh, for three weeks and we believe it was due to anxiety so, uh, because oh, God, obviously, so. yeah, his his routine changed dramatically. You know, suddenly, where he did not go to school anymore. So uh, he was honestly he had sickness and diarrhea for three weeks. Oh, uh, but he still, you know, he, he would still eat and drink and play and whatever. So he'd still be himself, but just have his behavior sort of like changed. Uh, like, like day and night I'll give an example uh, well Logan is normally a very very happy child he would laugh uh, he will um, he's always like smiling at you and he's grabbing your hand to go play and stuff like that but he just he would just scream all of a sudden
0: yeah. he would
1: just scream and we're like so wh- what do you need what is it you know take my hand up." Whatever, but he would just look at you, scream in your face and run away. And then he does this thing called stimming, which is the same doing the same action over and over again. Uh I do that too. So I bite my I fingers. As well as I get anxious. Yeah, I bite my fingers, I have restless legs, so oh, I get that. Yeah. Uh oh. it is.
3: <laughs> I scratch my palms, I do that.
1: Do you? I uh, I do this a lot. Squeeze my hands. Banging your hands,
3: yeah. That's yeah. a classic anxiety sign.
1: It is. Um, and so for them, well, to Alice, we can explain. Listen, this is what's happening. We explained to her everything. Yes, she, she, was still, strugg- she still struggled, but she understood why we were doing what we <laughs> were doing. Yeah. With Logan, he didn't really understand. So we spent three weeks of him being physically poorly because he was anxious and then awesome. when they said oh we can have logan back but we need to do a week in you know and then a week off it was very difficult because it's like well he's going back to school uh, he cried first day back you know after a few months off he cried because he didn't want to get on this bus He goes to a specialist school, which is about over seven, seven or eight miles away from our house, because uh, finding a specialist provision for a child like Logan is very difficult, uh, especially in our area. (laughs) It's everywhere. But again, that's another subject for another time. Uh, But yeah, he he struggled a lot, but now he's kind of used to it. He's gotten used to it, but those were a f- very difficult for times. For a few weeks, yeah. Yeah, very, very difficult for a child that doesn't really understand what's going on. Um, very difficult, but we got there in the end. You know, we got there in the end, um, and he's he's got his, uh, his things that he can focus on at home. He's a very physical child. Uh, he has his trampoline, and he has his playhouse and stuff outside, yeah because he loves being outside he loves being in nature so on our backyard we have lots of trees and stuff like that and he has his space so he's feeling overwhelmed you know rain or shine he's outside that's what's best for him but yeah it's it's been very difficult with both kids but do you think that this situation has kind of
3: increased your like both of your feelings of mum guilt oh, oh god, god yes
1: yeah. oh yes <laughs> oh like god that yes
3: yeah. that, that's a bloody topic in itself because you you see people on instagram and facebook like living their best life with their kids and they're only portraying like the good side of it and well, I feel that's like the, all fake though. that's not real life yeah exactly this situation it, it's like the edited version of someone's life
2: it really is and it's just it's so hard with like like Carol said like Carol's was saying you know sort of being anxious yourself trying to no one trying to hide it from your kids so you're like no it's okay darling oh, you know even lane who just bless him with all the surgeries and everything he said he just takes everything in his stride he just pulls longs like okay then mommy as long as i explain everything to him maturely because if he feels like i'm patronizing him he will tell me and i will get told off for that i'm not allowed <laughs> he's going on about 35 i swear But he's normally good. Even he's had days where he's come to me and he's like, Mommy, I'm like, what's up? He's like, I don't know. I just want to cry. And I'm like, yeah, I feel you, mate. That's fine. You have a cry.
1: That's good, though, that he actually comes to you and says, I just need to cry. Because a lot of kids don't do that, you know. And it's nice to see that he actually feels comfortable enough to come to you and say, I need a good cry, mum." you know.
3: That kind of feel uh, feeds back into the whole vulnerability thing, because like, absolutely, even kids feel like if they show any vulnerability, weakness. And yeah,
2: especially. Like, I mean, Lane's going to be Russ's size. He's going to be <laughs> a big bloke when he's older, and I want to teach him, you know, like talking about social anxiety, but not just that um, sort of other people's social anxieties and respecting other people's space. He's going to say he takes up a lot of space now.
0: When you're getting back into your busy fall routine but still want to make every breakfast count, try Blue Apron's new ready-to-cook meals that offer your favorite fresh quality ingredients ready in minutes. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and health-conscious offerings. Get a $100 gift card, plus enjoy $130 off across your first six orders when you place an order by September 23rd. Visit blueapron.com slash unique2022. The is-it-morning-yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time.
2: He's going to, when he's an adult, he's going to, I take up a lot of space. I'm six foot. He's going to be at <laughs> least six, three, if not taller, you know, he's, and he's broad already, his back's massive. So he's going to take up a lot of space to be quite an imposing person. And I'm trying to teach him going forwards. Like when Becca came over, you know, she turned around, she said, Oh, do you hug? And he was like,
3: I can't hug at the moment, but I can do a fist bump and wash my hands. Well, that's actually, that feeds into something that I was going to ask you about. Like, how do you teach your children about body autonomy? Like, is that, is that a conversation that you have with your kids? Because I think, I feel like body autonomy kind of feeds into the whole social anxiety thing. Like, how do you mm-hmm. normalise Kids it's only a, taking ownership of their own bodies and how it, you know, like some people, like oh, give your auntie a kiss. It's like, well, no, I don't want to. No, <laughs> it's,
2: a, it's a conversation when it comes up when the kids ask questions. You know, like obviously, your kids get to an age where you know, like saying, like I was quite upset when they didn't want to have baths with me anymore, and you know, doesn't want me to help him get dressed anymore. He's getting to that age. I think a lot quicker than other kids because he's very, he's, he's my child and fiercely independent um he's definitely okay he's definitely
3: okay
2: (laughs) yeah um but it's whatever he's asked and just from being tiny if you know if he was even as a toddler when he couldn't speak much you know if somebody was going up to him go give me a cuddle and he was like hiding behind me and i'd be like well don't be rude give them a high five don't have to give hugs if you don't want to give hugs but you can wave you can give a high five you know you've got to greet and you've got to be polite but a wave is polite you don't have to cuddle and kiss them and it was just an everyday thing you know if some people who wanted to well, if he didn't, and if he didn't, I'd be like, good. "Well, you can't be rude. You've got to say hello and goodbye to people." But if all you want to do is wave, then that's acceptable. But at least do the manners bit, mm. and but you don't have to touch anyone you don't want to touch. And I've just sort of said that from being tiny. It's up to you. Yeah. How are
3: your children with that cat, like with the body autonomy thing, especially with your son being non-verbal? Like, how how do you um, break, how do you broach that subject?
1: Well, the thing is, right? Uh, so mm. when I growing up uh you know we'd go to like uh relatives not, not so many relatives but um other people's houses and my mom would be like oh go you know go give um so and so a kiss because you know in portugal we kiss so uh it's th- the kiss and that's just you still makes me so uncomfortable but then if you don't do it you're being rude so yeah. right it made me feel so uncomfortable and still does i hate it uh because of anxiety and then my mom, you know my mom telling me oh you're just being rude like don't be rude you have to you know give two kisses to this stranger that you know as a kid I'm like oh he reeks of <laughs> you know I mean I just don't want to like be close to this person you know I'm just like "Ew." so but then you know my family members took that as being just me being rude and all that stuff so because I had those bad, um, bad experiences growing up, I, right now, if my daughter doesn't want to hug anyone or kiss anyone, it's fine, it's her body, it's up to her. You know, mm-hmm. I would never tell her like, oh, don't be rude. What I would say is, oh, uh, can you just go say hello? Just a hello will suffice.
2: You don't- That's ha- what I always said. You, you still have to have manners. You still have to say hello and goodbye. Yeah.
1: That's it. But even even if she doesn't want to, even if she's just, like, too shy, yeah, I'll do it for her. I'll just go, Alice said hi. That's it. Because that's just... That's enough. That is enough, especially having kids with special needs. I'm not going to make my kids do something that makes them uncomfortable. If that's going to save them from having a meltdown, then... Just because of a hello. That's fine. That's fine. But yeah, my it. son, obviously, you know, he you could be in the room. He doesn't even look at you. He doesn't even know you're there until you've been there for like an hour or two. It's different. They're not going to call him rude because he doesn't speak. But then again with my Alice, is yes, yeah, she speaks. She can communicate. But she doesn't have to. It's her body. Okay. Yeah, it's up I would, to her exactly we would never ever ever make her do something that she's uncomfortable i don't want my daughter to grow up like i did uh feeling uncomfortable about these things
0: like where it's you like, have to you exactly. have to do
3: this you have to let your yeah. auntie or grandma or whatever kiss you You're, you know like your body is not your own you don't have any autonomy over your body You're like mm-hmm. if your auntie wants to kiss you then you let them and i just think that that's so damaging
2: but it's, i think it is one of the massive things now with us as adults, because if you got to think our kids are shy, especially when they're younger, mm-hmm. because they're more used to family and people they know. And when new friends come around, you know that when distant cousins and distant aunties, you know, mm-hmm. you're amazing. But all of us, essentially, when we start, because things are starting to open up now. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll start to go to restaurants, you can start to go to places again, and gyms and things. And you might start meeting up with your friends. And the problem with that is your friend, like me, could have been locked in the house for months and just doesn't know how to behave anymore. Doesn't feel comfortable. Like you I'm don't okay- I know what
3: you should be doing either. Like what's the right thing to do?
2: Well, this is what I was, I asked one of my friends yesterday because she, before this, has got a lot of social issues. Um And she does what a lot of my friends do and uses me as a big peacock barrier in social. <laughs> and so they put me in front of them. And then they'll just sort of like come forwards when they get more comfortable, you know because it's quite acceptable for someone not to be talking when I'm stood there talking because it takes quite a forceful person to get a word in edgeway. so But it's really good for my friends, like they like it, that are really socially awkward because that, that gives them the chance to stand there and sort of be in the social group. Mm -hmm. but they don't really have to contribute to conversations and things until they're ready and what she was saying yesterday was that anyone that you come in contact with from now like with everything opening up and meeting up with people even if you used to be like the most physical in the world with them before you do anything before you go charging up to someone like Becca did when we first saw each other are we hugging? you yeah, we always, we always hug so it's like, are you hugging are we doing this and I think everyone anyone that you see no matter how well you know them I think everyone it's it's the whole thing around consent and body autonomy for people because any touching any physical contact anything like that you you really need to ask anyone yeah, becomes I, like now.
3: I was just going to say that I feel, I feel like the the biggest thing that should come from this whole situation is the idea of consent and asking like when I when I was at yours and I asked Lane can I have a hug and he said no but I'll give you a fist pump and I think that's the most important thing is because it instills the idea of consent in children from a young age it's like I'm going to ask if I can do this thing that I would like to do and if you say no then that's fine. And I feel like this should be the, the biggest takeaway from this entire situation is asking the question, asking for consent. Consent is such a huge thing and I hope that that is the one takeaway that we get from lockdowns like asking is is this okay.
1: Yeah, and then if, if people if you ask say the question, no thank then you you yeah. you
3: you've, yeah, if you ask the question then you've set very strict Va- boundaries and they're very clear, and I think that, yeah. that that should be the biggest takeaway that we take from this and whole lockdown are allowed, situation.
2: Are people are allowed to say no without it being rude, yeah. or awkward. Because that's yeah, what you're not I'm being like, awkward. You're not being that's rude. the it's, point she made to me yesterday. You know that sometimes she might want to hug you. Other days she might not be feeling comfortable in herself. So doesn't want to touch people. Yeah.
3: Just because you give consent one day doesn't mean that you're going to give it the next. Exactly. So it's the idea that it, it's fine
2: people that are self-aware like us saying to people to ask is is fine because you've always been able to ask everyone's always had the power within themselves to ask for consent a lot of people don't but you could it's the response that needs to be normalized so if if you've asked and someone's gone actually I don't really want a hug and, Mm. and then you can just go okay, cool. How about like, I tend to make a joke of it with my friends, you know, like if someone's like, I I don't really want to be touched today, I'm like, you know, how about doing some guns and being cheesy and they're like, oh, shut up. But then it sort of, it takes the awkwardness out of the situation. They think it's more
1: like breaking the ice. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I get that. It's just like, I feel sometimes like, let's say we are at uh, an event and I go to the bar because I think well that's the first thing that I do maybe or go to the toilet and I perhaps if I see someone I just give them a nod and say oh you're okay and then I walk because I hate yeah and this is very important as an uh you know a, a person in the autistic spectrum I cannot I can't cope with the first encounter like I go in and the 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 small talk Right, I find that very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm.
3: That is my life. <laughs> I'm the opposite of you two.
2: I look that is at my life. Hello's. I can't do goodbyes. I get really like, oh, I don't want to say goodbye, you know. I get like, I, because I always feel like I've not said goodbye enough, or I worry that I've been rude in just yeah. going away, or so I've like, i like, um, like yeah. this has been so- the encounter and i'm gonna fuck it up right at the end <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the thing is it's like i i struggle with social cues i look at their face and think or oh, are they thinking that i'm being rude for not like wanting to talk more and i hate awkward it's perceived silence.
3: expectation
1: yeah yeah i'm just because now having this conversation sometimes i struggle to explain myself and i struggle with so many different things and honestly i thought that it was just me being abnormal if that makes sense just
3: is, yeah it makes perfect sense we're all weird. there is no normal that's the thing there is, there is no normal which is why yeah. the issue of consent is so important It really is. It really is asking what people are comfortable with, and I think, like I said, that should be the one takeaway that we have from this entire situation. It's like asking, "Are you okay
1: with this?" That is why I like to make people aware that yeah, I have these issues, yeah, especially we know with social cues and whatever. But I feel like I I have to forever explain myself. You know, I always have to explain. Yeah, it shouldn't have to, but not a lot of people understand how it's like to be me on a daily basis, right? And on a social, like, for example, I'll give you an example. It's like, uh, before I have, uh, I do an interview, like with a band or whatever, right? I have to write stuff down, uh, what I'm going to say, because I... I feel like if I don't, like I'm gonna mess up, and then if I mess up, and then I just start having all of this like uh, self doubt. Am I, you know, doing this right or but I not? You get stuck, you get yourself stuck like you've done one little thing wrong that
2: probably nobody else has noticed, but because you know you've done one little thing yep. wrong, you get yourself stuck in an anxiety loop, yep. and then it just kind of builds and builds and like so like oh there you, you, you go. I couldn't
1: buttering. I couldn't explain it any better. You just yeah you hit the nail absolutely, but it's it's just I've learned to accept it. This is who I am. Like it is, and I can't. I've tried to change. Honestly. You shouldn't but, have to though. But that's it. Like but the thing is, like, it's this voice in my in my head from being a little girl and being told that what I was doing was rude. Like, you shouldn't be so blunt. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't, I don't know, shout at people or whatever, but the shouting was just my frustration.
2: One of the reasons we wanted to start our podcast is because if more people talk about this, if more people say, do you know what, This is I'm not being rude to you, it is nothing to do with you, you are not making me uncomfortable. I am simply uncomfortable because I am in a social situation. This might be a new building to me, and I might not know where the toilets are. That could make me anxious, you know. <laughs> you know I'm not being rude, like, but if more people had the conversation, more people were talking about it, then more mm-hmm. people would think when they meet someone. And then it might just be a simple thing of you just going, oh, I don't mean to be quiet, I'm not being rude. I'm just a little bit socially anxious at times. And that would be all the conversation it would need just to mm. state a fact.
1: But then it's just having that conversation because then you're going to have that conversation with one person. And then you, again, in a venue, you walk like to the toilets. Oh, hi, yeah, you are right. I'm very social. And anxious. And you have to tell your story over and over again. And that is just exasperating because and I feel. Exhausting. It is. I feel just like you, I have to put this sign on my forehead, socially anxious, and then no one's gonna ask me anything else. Obviously, within the, uh, I found a lot of people within the rock and metal community that understand, understand me, as a person, and I've been doing this, you know, the podcasting and blogging and telling in a way telling the world about me for it's gone actually it will be a year turned a year in March when I start doing this and I just I felt like it was a a relief that people who know me now know that I suffer with these things they don't even see me as they saw me before as you know a little bit rude and awkward now they see me as like oh she just has this uh, disorder you know and it's exactly you know why these conversations are
3: so important they're so yeah. important
2: because everyone has the right to be quiet the thing is mm-hmm. nobody has the right to be actually rude so somebody's being you know actually saying rude things to you and you know actually like I, I've got somebody that I used to work with that in the canteen used to constantly, every time I spoke very loudly, speak over the top of me to the person I was talking to mm. every time I opened my mouth, and it used to really. Yeah, she did it on purpose. She did it because <laughs> they don't like each other, and it was just she really used to grate on me like that. And but that that's rude. That's direct rudeness, intentionally rude saying rude things to people is not acceptable you know however just being quiet is not rude that's being quiet you know as long as you sort of respond in some sense you know if you're not really up for a conversation but some like if somebody asks you a question you know as long as you sort of respond and give a little smile then or you know just look them and look at them and respond as long as you like not completely blanks them why is you being quiet an issue why is it anyone's issue you know, there's enough, especially in like our social circle that the three of us know each other through. You know, there is enough people that can talk. Yeah. Um, myself included. <laughs> and but that that that's fine. Some people think I'm rude because when, especially when I've had a drink or sugar or I'm just, <laughs>
0: tired,
2: you know, I, I um, my brain works so fast all the time because I'm ADHD that it's not that I'm interrupting you because I'm not interested in what you want to say just something you said reminded me of the most exciting thing in the world and it has to come out of my mouth right now because if I don't say it, I'm going to explode and die you know it's just like my brain going do 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 and I, I apologize for it a lot I'd same as you like I'm sick of saying to people like, I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you then I really wasn't being rude I think that's my most used phrase when I'm out with other people
1: i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt then what's uh what's other people's perception of root though
3: exactly it's all to do with everybody's individual interpretation yeah. of a particular situation absolutely and that's why I, I coming back to the whole consent thing that's why it's so important to ask the question
1: yes yeah but then some people yeah some people might feel honestly some people might even feel awkward asking the question because not enough people ask the question exactly if we ask the question yeah just out of habit yeah if it was just like um if we put that into our routine you know like our social routine by this i mean you know you go meet someone for a drink or whatever and you ask them it's just normal can I give you a hug or can you know kiss you on the cheek whatever I don't know how personal you are with your friends oh can I and then that would just become like a normal thing to do yeah
2: yeah it's like when people say to me about um about Lane and his manners because he gets nothing (laughs) without saying please and thank you and people are like oh how do you do it's like well the first word I ever taught him to say was tar and thank you when they're little Yeah. but but these things should be that not like excuse me i get angry with myself sometimes because i say excuse to be excuse me to people that are barging past me i mean i do that i do that in a tone that doesn't does not mean that i'm being polite Uh, uh,
1: that's kind of a british thing isn't it i found this yeah very much so being apologetic yep for oh i'm i'm so sorry it's raining Okay. <laughs> like well, the, yeah. you're
3: apologising for things that are completely out of your control. Exactly, you that's a very very British thing. Definitely, oh, the
1: Irish are worse. The Irish start nearly. Join Cooperative Extension
0: at NCANT's Try Healthy Program on a virtual journey with Catch the Wellness Wave Saturday, September 10th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Enjoy food and fitness demonstrations and vendor booths from the comfort of your home. Register online today to receive your Catch the Wellness Wave swag bag. Ride the wave to a journey to better health.
1: For registration information, contact Shawana Hairston at slhairst at ncat.edu. Sorry, 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 sorry,
2: sorry. I've
1: noticed that. I have noticed that. It's definitely a British thing. But I kind of adopted that as well. Because obviously, you know, I've lived here longer than I lived in my own you know, home country, you know, I've been here for nearly 20 years, and I moved, moved out when I was 17, I've, yeah, I've adopted that, and I don't know, I don't know why, I guess it's the fear of being judged again, it's a fear of judgment, if I don't say, if I don't say, like, oh, I'm sorry, even though I know that, you know, they're badging me, or whatever, I feel like they're just going to turn around and say, like, or, oh, you know, even sorry, or whatever. I don't know, because it's the fear of confrontation sometimes. So I'd yeah, rather nice. just say, yeah, I'd rather just say sorry, even though I'm not, just to avoid confrontation. But then it yeah, I
2: don't have a fear of confrontation. It depend, <laughs> I was just going to
1: say, I was just going to say, it depends on the situation. Because if someone, yeah, and, yeah it depends on the situation, because if I definitely know they were in the wrong, then I'm not sorry and I'm gonna let them know about it. yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it depends on the situation. Because, especially when it's like, you know, anything to do with my kids, I'm like, I go mama bear on them, honestly. I'm like, (laughs) protective.
2: I do, do you know my worst one is like, you know when you like hold the door for someone they don't say thank you? Oh, you be like,
1: you're welcome. Oh, I do that own. when I'm in the
2: car
3: when I'm in the car and if I've let someone through and they don't let on and say thank you I'm like you're welcome! Really loud yeah. like. <laughs> but if Lane does it,
2: like if Lane's held the door for someone and they don't say thank you to him that will get a barrage from me like he's a small child and what manners are you teaching him? Excuse me you know like I'm really like if somebody barges into Lane as well without looking he's not exactly a small child you can't really miss him <laughs> and like people still barge into him and I'm just like, uh, excuse me, you're gonna to apologise to him. In fact, no, that's not a question. Apologize to him. <laughs> now. <laughs> but
1: then and again, you know, that abrupt behaviour, yeah, it can be seen as being rude as well. I, I couldn't mean, give a shit. They were rude first. You know <laughs> what I mean? Exactly.
0: Absolutely. It's,
3: it's, it's not being rude, it's just expecting a certain level of consideration. Basically
0: Absolutely. it's not being
3: rude, you You're just expect time. people to treat you in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, yeah. it comes back to the whole idea of asking for consent on also being respectful of yeah. other people and their boundaries. Sex.
2: That's the point. In fact, if nothing else comes from like the episodes that we do, if there's just a small group of people that might listen that start taking on board, that we should just normalize respect and consent of other people's spaces and other people's preferences. Yeah. yeah. It's not down to what you, like, at the same, like, with... In fact, a lot of my friendship group, weirdly, there's only a couple of people I'm very good friends with that are as, you know, peacocky as me. Um, and... So, the people that I care about, their boundaries are so far removed from mine. Mm. But yet, I always make sure, especially with the ones that I know are a bit shyer,
3: but that's because i care about them and i don't want because to make them you're wrong. respectful of their boundaries and i think that that should be the big takeaway from this conversation and our podcast be respectful of other people's boundaries whether they're the same as yours or not it yes. doesn't matter because and if you don't you're not them mm-hmm. yeah, ask yeah i would the question
2: you know, if i was uncomfortable if something had happened because it, it Surprisingly, it actually does happen to me sometimes. I'm not very sexual when I go to things. It can happen. You know, the world didn't end. Nothing imploded. We're all good. But, you know, and... But people are more open to ask me because everyone asks me anything, really. And they're used to it. But I'd rather be asked. You know, if I'm in a bad mood, if I'm feeling, like, on the verge of tears, if I've just been dumped and my friends dragged me out and I'm, like, literally fucking holding it together by a gnat's testicle and not bursting into tears. I would much rather someone just go, are you okay? Like, do you want to, do you want to talk? Do you want to go outside for a cigarette? You know, are you all right here? Do you want a bit of space? You know, and I would much rather somebody just ask if they're
3: that's, not sure. Yeah.
2: And that's well, what well, should how be hard normalised. Is that? I, I, that is what
3: should be normalised, asking yeah. the question.
2: And it's a friend of mine gave me a, a really good phrase that they use in mental health um, as professionals, which is dynamic boundaries as well. So, say we went out to a gig together, and we were all in really high spirits, and you know, la la la. When we got there, say somebody's barged into you or made you uncomfortable throughout the night, and that made you less comfortable as the night went on. So, the person that you were happy to hug when you arrived, something might have happened. Or you could just be tired and not feeling like it, you know. Mm. And the fact that it's continued consent.
3: Yeah, continued of dynamic
2: boundaries. The fact that somebody's hugged you once does not... So, so it's anything, like the rape culture thing. Just because I've had sex with somebody once doesn't give them the right to do it to me.
3: Exactly.
2: do feel like it. And just because I have hugged you a few times doesn't mean I'm going to want to hug you every time I see you. Mm. It is the idea of like the dynamic boundaries and continued consent. So like if you get it in your vocabulary if you like before you touch anyone just to automatically go can i have a hug yeah you know can i can i give a kiss can i you know do you want to sit here with me you know like stuff like
3: that continuous consent needs to be normalized it really does
2: because it's a two second thing, but could make such a big difference to somebody's entire experience. Yeah. An event or a day. It could completely flip their day around. Just the fact that one person might have gone up to them and been like, oh, you know, hi, do you mind if I hug you? And if they've just said no and you're like, OK, that's cool. Should we go get a drink? Yeah. And you just it's nothing. There's no issue there on it.
3: But then like you ask that question and somebody might have not been okay with you uh, kind of hugging them or kissing them. But because you've asked the question again, that then might make you comfortable with it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they know that you respect them enough to respect their boundaries, they might yeah. probably end up getting more comfortable with you. Well,
0: but I people would, yeah. would,
3: would feel, like, I wish people would do that more, especially with me and the kind of like limelight that I'm in with, with me being with Russ and, him being in the public eye. And I say public with very loose, bloody, be- these are. <laughs> <laughs> because people just expect that, like people expect of me because I'm, I'm with Russ and he talks about me on air and we have a show together and people just expect me to be okay with them coming up to me and being all in my, uh, like in my face and like, I think people expect... Handsy with me and I'm like, uh... No, just because I allow my, a part of myself to be in the public does not mean that I am okay with it constantly. And It uh, does not mean that I'm okay with you coming up to me and hugging me and being all in my face. Yeah, well, I think the other thing with
2: that is people expect you to be more like Russ as well. Yeah, and I'm Ross nothing is- like Russ. As you know,
3: I'm nothing like him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he bounds up to everyone like, hello, hello, hello,
2: hello. Like <laughs> He's He's yeah. just like
1: the dog. He is just like a puppy. He is, dude.
3: It's-
2: yeah,
1: he is i I can relate to that because, like me and Scott are very different. He's the kind of person you would talk to anyone, and I'm not it's just like mm. I give an example neighbors, okay, so growing up, I moved a lot uh and I never stayed in the same place for a long time. you know it's just what I grew up used to, you know but then when me and him moved in together we moved into this little flat in the shittiest place in leeds that we could find but we were happy um and he um he would just always talk to the neighbors and i'm like "Mm," i've always felt very uncomfortable but he's always like um growing up he was. He's very different, you know. Uh, he had a very different upbringing from mine. His parents were like married for like thirty years and lived in the same place for a long time, so he had a different, um, you know, upbringing than me. He can just go and talk to the neighbors to be like, "You okay? You know, we live next door. If you need anything, let me know." But I'm not like that, you know. It's like I like to keep myself to myself. Mm. But because honestly, like I have to hide from my neighbors and they're the nicest people ever. But I feel so awkward. It's not like I don't like them, but I just feel so anxious because Mm. it's the small talk. Again, I can't cope with the small talk. Mm. And sometimes I don't know why. Uh, I could just say, morning, you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. And then that's it, you know. I can't deal with that but Scott's completely different than me he's, he's like he could just talk to anyone without having to worry about anything and I I admire I wish I was a little bit more like that sometimes. yeah
3: I wish I was like that but I have a bit of mine I've got plenty <laughs> <laughs> uh, Again, that's, it's the whole idea yeah. of continuous consent
1: absolutely continuous and then uh, if well when we actually get the chance to go out together which is very rare Um, it's a shame but that's again another story for another time Um, (laughs) it's just that our yeah our families aren't very uh, helpful when it comes to uh, you know sort of like giving us a little break so that we can actually spend some time just me and him we always have the kids with us so we have to that's why like right now I'm in Edinburgh just by myself having a little break and he's at home with the children mm. and then at the end of the month he's going to come up to edinburgh to visit a friend actually to visit a friend and there's this uh fitness endurance thing going on as well that he's going to come up you know uh, he's going to drive up and participate mm. but we can't be together you know what i mean we didn't we've been married for five years and we didn't even have a honeymoon it is what it is to be fair like our children come first before before anything. I was just
3: gonna so, say you're um, your parents and, and that's the thing like once you're a parent then everything that like, you need goes out the bloody window. <laughs> it yeah. it really does
1: but again you know it's just another story for another time because like, I could yeah. go I could go on about this for yeah. you yeah. know well, hours I, mean, hours. I
3: feel like we, we we could talk for hours and hours and hours but absolutely I, feel like we,
1: I think that we've covered
3: quite a lot
1: we've covered this, quite in this uh, chat yeah in this chat, we've covered quite a lot and um and i really think that i i would like for us to actually do another episode very soon because i would love
3: to i, would love to. I
1: really i really want to touch on the the subject of being a woman and yes. the things that men cannot understand
3: absolutely absolutely i'd be totally up for doing this again but
2: women um women judging other women for their choices
3: as well as that absolutely i feel like i want to like make a list of the things that i would really like (laughs) to talk about uh, what being a woman entails and i feel like that is another episode in itself but i think this has been really good and i feel like we've covered a lot of stuff and hopefully I, i really want a lot of people to listen to this and realize that you know Social anxiety, body autonomy, uh, one and the same. And it's just about respect.
2: In fact, one of the things that um, I got asked about and got asked to kind of mention, actually, because I have been um, milking friends for content this week. Uh, research, research, really, honest. It sounds more professional than just like, oi, can you answer me questions? Um, but one of my friends said one of their things is, especially... Probably more in our community than in the I don't know what's the term for them nowadays, townies.
1: Uh When you say our
2: community,
1: what do you mean specifically?
2: The rock and metal community. Right. So when because I've lived in the rock and metal community since 1995 when (laughs) I first started going out. Um, So I've I don't often go to other pubs or other clubs things like that, you know, I tend to stay within the rock and metal scene when I go places, mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, unless we go to a nice restaurant or something, but going out and with most of my friends are into this, you know, it's like a very, I've lived within the scene all Mm -hmm. of my adult life. And, um, but I think within the rock and metal community, one of the things about consent and about body autonomy and stuff like that is with the men to the women, I think we're actually quite ahead of the curve because within the rock and metal community, there is a lot of respect for women and di- heavy amounts of disrespect are not suffered gladly. Like guys will get, you know, really heavily come down upon.
3: Yeah, definitely. Really
2: push it with women. Or like if they, <coughs> excuse me, if like a gig, like say in a mosh pit, I've had a guy, guy grab my tits and like the next two guys along will drag him out of the mosh pit. You know, you you don't do it. You don't disrespect the women. So we've got it better. However, it's spread. What I've noticed is a culture of women doing it and not getting pulled up on it. And it's
3: yeah, definitely
2: annoyed me for a couple of years now that I've well, a few years that there seems to be women with men and other women that it doesn't get brought up and it doesn't get called out when women are overly inappropriate and overly handy with other women and other men. Especially like with men, when it's women, two men, it doesn't seem to get taken seriously yeah, at yeah. all. And I've got some male friends that have been like really upset and really kind of traumatized for a while and left events and stuff because women just are literally in their face on them, like shoving their yeah. tits at them. And it's like, I, I don't
3: want this and I don't please like this is. I just- feel like that, that could be an episode <laughs> in and of
1: itself. Yeah, It's yeah. like. Yeah, just because I just because I'm a woman and you're a woman does still does not give you the right to touch no. me. No,
3: absolutely not.
1: Or kiss me. I've had that mm. before and it made me feel very uncomfortable. But then mm. at the time I didn't want to say it because mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, she's just drunk. But then again, it does still it does not give you the right,
0: yeah.
1: especially no. like as a married woman. Okay, Mm. as a married woman, I've been with my partner for a very long time. Well, (laughs) partner, husband. I've been with my husband for a very long time. And it's just like, I don't want him to think that I instigated that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't instigate anything. well, like I like say I, I feel like we could we could talk
3: about this for such a long time. So I feel like that needs to be an episode on its own because that's like it feels like a separate issue even though it's kind of under the umbrella it's of under the that umbrella of but I, think it like... it, I feel like it's a separate thing
1: yeah just to uh, you know wrap it all up i really think that we you know we touched on social anxiety we've touched on the uh, you know the consent um and i really think that whoever's going to be listening to this uh if they want to honestly if they want to get in touch like my details are going to be at the end of this podcast episode and they can just get in touch with me it's not a problem you know and yeah us too as well right absolutely yeah we'll uh, we'll get that sorted and um i whoever's listening to this if they would like to get involved that would be great, you know. I want this to—I be want
3: our podcast, More than especially merrier. to be the listening podcast. I want to know what people feel about what we spoke about. Yep. So, if anybody out there has got has, has got any comments or any kind of like anything else that they want to add to this, then feel free to to get in touch and let us know how you feel about this because this is how we feel about it, and we're yep. three people
1: absolutely anything to do with this a podcast you know can get in touch with me my email address is uh higher at at uk, and i'm always yeah higher it's just you had to be you know because of the whole you know accent i
3: I just want to say thank you so much for for having us on and for kind of giving us this platform for for this this crazy idea that we had in kyla's kitchen two weeks ago when we'd had too much wine and I really think this has got legs and I really appreciate that, that like yeah. you are, are giving us this platform so thank you uh,
1: it's my pleasure you know as you know I've got a lot to talk about uh <laughs> about this a lot a lot and I think it needs to be done sooner than later well thank you very much it's yeah, been really I'm good really, I've really, really enjoyed really this it's been brilliant
0: it. Yeah. It's
1: all good. Yeah, well, I thank you so much. It's been it's so okay.
3: great to talk to you guys. You're awesome.
1: You're yeah. You're very welcome. Absolute pleasure. And okay. uh, yeah, we shall chat soon. Okay. Yes, yeah, definitely. Right, chat we'll
2: soon.
3: Something else up again. I'll be to you both very soon. Lots of love.
1: You will love. do. Bye. Bye thank you so much for listening and thank you for your continued support there if you've been affected by any of the issues that we spoke on this episode of grab a couple with mates uh, you can uh, go to our website which is grabacupper.co.uk forward slash resources and there are lots of resources that you can go and check out there so thank you so much for your continued support <coughs>